I get the joy of preaching behind that. <laughs> Thank you, Reagan. I appreciate that so much. Beautiful song. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them, please, once again to the book of Proverbs? On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, God Speaks. And tonight, God is going to speak to you and I on friendship. On friendship. Our verse is Proverbs 17, verse 17. If you recall, the book of Psalms is about relationship that is vertical. When you read Psalms, you will learn how to worship God. You'll learn how to pray. You'll learn how to understand the Lord and how He understands us. The book of Proverbs is a partner to the book of Psalms. Remember, Psalms is about vertical relationship with God. Proverbs is about horizontal relationship with each other. And in Psalms and Proverbs, we see the vertical, we see the horizontal, we see the what? We see the cross. We see the fulfillment of the great commandment to love the Lord thy God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and to love each other as you love yourself. So as we're looking at Proverbs, we're learning how to get along with one another. And tonight, Proverbs 17, verse 17, the writer of Proverbs says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. George Barna is one of the great pollsters of our day, particularly when it comes to matters of the church. He's one of the few men, I believe, in America that really has their finger on the pulse of the modern-day church, the modern-day Christian. And George Barna wrote a book some years ago entitled, What Americans Believe. And one of the things that he found in doing that book was that the American people, perhaps more so than any other people in the world, are the loneliest people. Americans are among the loneliest people on this planet. Our theme song well could be the Hank Williams song that he made famous. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. Now why are we so lonely? It's because we don't really have friends. Why don't we have friends? Because we have fast-paced lifestyles. We're, we're so busy seeing somebody or going somewhere or doing something that we don't have time for people anymore. Also, we're a very individualistic society. We're focused on one person most of the time. And who's that person? The one that you look at in the mirror every morning. You. We're very me-oriented, as I said this morning. And for these reasons and probably countless more, very few of us here tonight, according to the statistics, the percentages, really have a friend. Oh, we have acquaintances. We have connections, we have fans, we have followers, we have co-workers, we have playmates. 
But when it comes to friends, most of us would be hard-pressed to have two that we could really say are a friend. Friends that can encourage us. Friends that can affirm us. Friends that can even correct us. We don't have many people like that in our lives, for whatever reason. And because of that, we long for that. And we can't seem to find it. So we turn to television to get it. Think with me just a moment. Mayberry RFD. Do you remember that show? Andy and Barney. Goomer and Gober. Floyd and Howard. Aunt B and Clara. Ernest T. Bass. You remember that show? Do you know it's still, after 60 years, one of the most viewed television shows there is? Seinfeld. It's been off the air for a long time, but it's still in demand. Friends, still in demand. You know what the number one cartoon is today? Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I believe it, 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 it's, it's a proof of the fact that we're looking for friendship. Because what are all those shows about? People coming together as friends, trying to find their way in life. Somebody has said the warmest word in the English language is friend. And the coldest word in the English language is alone. Tonight I want you to understand you need a friend. You need a friend. I need a friend. We all need friends. Now the question you might have, and it would be a good one, what is a friend? What is a friend? We need a friend, but what is a friend if we're going to have one? Well, let me tell you what a friend is. Let me paint a picture of a friend if I can, but I won't use a brush. I'll use my mouth. I'll use words. First of all, a friend is someone who is faithful. In Proverbs 17, verse 17, again, a friend loves most of the time. Is that what it says? A majority of the time. A friend loves all times. A friend loves at all times. What's the word all mean? All. <laughs> a friend loves at all times. A friend is a brother born in adversary, adversity. Samuel Coleridge said of a friend, a friend is a sheltering tree. Friends are someone that will be loyal to us and support us, be the times good or the times bad, be we on the mountain or in the valley. 
As many of you know, I, I like history. I like to read about history. And many years ago, President Richard Nixon was caught up in the Watergate scandal, as you know. It would later cost him his presidency. And one of those that was part of that shenanigans under his administration was a man by the name of Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was convicted of crimes in regard to Watergate. On the night before he was to be sentenced and go to jail, three men came to visit Chuck Colson. Their names was Harold Hughes, Graham Purcell, and Douglas Coe. They came not to lecture him. They came not to preach to him. They came not to tell him, we told you so. They came and they sat with him all night long. Asked why they did it. They said, we wanted Chuck to know we were his friends. That's what friends do. They're faithful. They're faithful when you, everything's going your way. They're faithful when nothing's going your way. They're faithful when you're the hero. They're faithful when you're the zero. They're faithful when you're a champion. They're faithful when you're a chump. They're always your friend. They don't jump off your ship. They don't say, see you later. They're there with you. Secondly, friends are not only faithful, but friends are real. They're real. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. If you have a true friend, you have the real deal. They know you upside down. They know you inside out. And they like you anyway. Someone said a real friend is someone who thinks you're a good egg even when you're cracked. Real friends desire your best and they want to help bring out your best in you. One of the great friendships of the Bible was David and Jonathan. One of the great friendships of the Bible was two men who should have been competitors, rivals, if you will. Jonathan's father was King Saul. He was Prince Jonathan. The throne was rightly, legally to be his. But God doesn't always do things that's rightly and legally in the eyes of man. God had nothing against Jonathan, but God wanted a man after his own heart to be on the throne of Israel, and God chose David. And Jonathan was a spiritual man and understood that. 
Jonathan understood that David would be the next king of Israel, not him. Now, what would you and I do if we were knocked out of the position that should be ours? Would we pout? Would we gripe? Would we complain? Would we do everything we could to sabotage the person that is going to take our place? Jonathan didn't do any of that. Jonathan befriended David. David didn't have many friends in those days, and Jonathan became David's friend. He taught David about royalty. He taught David about a monarchy. He taught David about how to be a king because David was a shepherd boy. He could lead sheep, but he didn't understand how to lead men. And so Jonathan taught David as a friend how to be a king. He also protected David from King Saul who was trying to kill him. Jonathan's father was a madman and a murderer. And he was trying to kill David. And one of the reasons he didn't succeed is because Jonathan protected David. He guarded David. He misled his father. He confused his father. He tried to reason with his father not to hurt David. And because of Jonathan's efforts, humanly speaking, David wasn't killed. Jonathan also encouraged David when he was on top. When David was a giant killer, everybody loved him. And Jonathan was his friend. But when David became a fugitive and was running for his life, Jonathan was his friend too. You see, friends are not only faithful to us, they're real to us. They're there to help us be the best that we can be, and they help us do that. Now, are you listening to me? You say, Pastor, this is wonderful about friends. Listen, this is what we're to be. And this is what we're to look for in others. Friends are faithful, friends are real. Thirdly, friends are invested. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know what a true friend will do? A real friend will do? A faithful friend will do? They will invest themselves in your life. And in that investment, which is to help you go and grow and glow for Jesus, they will sometimes correct you. They're willing to say you're wrong. They're willing to say you might be mistaken. You know, I look back at some of the people who have lost their lives who weren't necessarily Christians but they were surrounded by a lot of people. I think of Elvis Presley. Elvis had an entourage that was with him 24-7. Why didn't that entourage ever sit down with Elvis and say, Elvis, you're destroying yourself. Why didn't somebody ever say something to him? 
by all accounts, nobody ever said nothing. They let him self-destruct and eventually lose his life. Why didn't Michael Jackson's entourage ever say something to the king of pop? Why didn't they sit down and say, Michael, you're destroying yourself with these habits of yours. But by all accounts, nobody ever said nothing to him. The same could be said of Prince. The same could be said of many celebrities. They have all kind of fans that hang on to them with their hands out for something. But they'll never be honest with them. Even if it means they're going to lose them one day. I have a friend who's a medical doctor. His name is Dr. J. That's, that's short for Jasowich. And many years ago, I was having some knee issues. I could barely walk. I was hobbling around like an old man up and down these steps. Many of you were feeling sorry for me. But I finally decided, even though I liked you feeling sorry for me, <laughs> I needed to do something about this knee. So I went to my doctor. He tried several things, and finally he said, Listen, we need to do surgery on this knee. He didn't say it with a smile. He just said it. In fact, I think he somewhat enjoyed the fact that he might get to cut on me. He operated on my knee. He caused me pain. Now, I must admit, I didn't take my pain medication. They gave me a nerve block. I came out of the nerve block. My dear wife, who's a nurse, she said, you need to get this pain medication. Ah, oh, no, I feel great. I said, this is a piece of cake. I don't know why them sissies are always talking about their knees are hurting. I, I didn't go get my pain medication, Phil. At 3 o'clock in the morning, the nerve block wore off. I'm telling you, it's like somebody took a knife and went. I was about as miserable as I've ever been in all my days. Until finally God in his grace and his mercy toward an idiot stopped the pain. But my point in all of this is my friend, the doctor, caused me pain that I would get better. That's what friends will do sometimes. They will say things to you and I that are painful, but they mean to make us better. Fourthly, friends are faithful. Friends are real. Friends invest themselves in your life even to the point that they will tell you when they believe you're mistaken or you're wrong. Fourthly, friends are encouraging. They're encouraging. We live in a discouraging world. We live in a world that will kick you in the backside real quick. But friends are encouraging. They'll put their arm around you and hug you. Proverbs 27, 9, ointment and perfume delight the heart, 
And the sweetness of a man's friends gives delight by hearty counsel. Friends are cheerleaders. Two bits, four bits, six bits, a dollar. All for my friend. Stand up and holler. They cheer us on. They're, 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 they're filled with energy and excitement when it comes to us because it's not about them. A friend is about pouring yourself into the life of the other. Howard Rutledge was a POW in Vietnam. He was at the Hanoi Hilton, that luxurious motel that they put our pilots in during the Vietnam War. It was a hell on earth, if I could use that expression. That's exactly what it was. And Howard Rutledge was there at the Hanoi Hilton. In his time there, he wrote a book when he was released in the presence of my enemies. He went there discouraged, wanting to commit suicide. He did not want to go through what he knew he was going to go through there. But when he arrived... They tried to put him in solitary confinement to break him down, the enemy. But when he was in solitary confinement, he heard sounds from the other prisoners who knew he was there. They knew he was the new man in the cell block. Those sounds consisted of sandals sliding on a cement slab. Spoons tapping against one another. Knocks on the wall. Dots and hyphens, knots. Coordinated coughs. <laughs> he heard all of these sounds. And you know what those sounds all told him? You're going to be okay. We're okay. You're going to be okay. Hang in there with us. We came in. We're going to go out alive. And he said that gave him a reason to live. You see, friends encourage you one another. They communicate hope. They communicate peace and joy. That's what they do. Fifthly, friends are helpful. Friends are helpful. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. If they fall, one, a friend, will lift up his companion. But woe to him who falls and he is alone, for he will have no one to pick him up. Story is told in World War II of a man who came looking for General Patton. The great general, America's supreme armor commander, a man most feared by the Nazis, the Germans, because he was ruthless. 
He believed in victory, not in compromise, not in stalemate. Victory. And they came looking for General Patton, and they couldn't find him. <laughs> Where, where's the general? And finally, you know where they found him? He was on the front lines helping unstick a truck that was bogged down in the mud. America's supreme commander of the armor infantry helping get a vehicle out of the mud. Wow. But that's what friends do, are they not? They're helpful. They're willing to get down in the mud to pull out somebody they care about. And then lastly, friends are dependable. This is what we should look for when we're looking for a friend. This is what we should be when we're wanting to be a friend. Faithful, real, invested, encouraging, helpful, and lastly, dependable. Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must show himself to be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Somebody said a friend is somebody who will walk into your life when everybody else is walking out. A friend does that. He's there. He, you can count on him to be with you no matter where you're at in any situation or circumstance of life. That's what friends do. You can count on a friend. Now again, I'm not just preaching this message to hear my head roar. Look up here. Who's your friend right now? Who do you have in your stable of people that surround you that you would say is faithful, real, invested, encouraging, helpful, and dependable to you? You don't have to tell me the name. You tell yourself who the name is. Because I can tell you, most of us will be going, well, uh, 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 because we really don't have that person. Maybe our ladies would do better than our men, but most men really don't have a friend. What are some things I want to close with, and we're out of here. In order to have a friend, you must show yourself friendly. Are you listening to me? In order to have a friend, you must show yourself friendly. The reason some of us don't have friends might be because we talk too much about ourselves and we don't talk to anyone else about themselves. Somebody has wisely said, two weeks talking to someone about themselves is worth more than two years of us talking about ourselves. 
And many times we suffocate people by just pouring out ourselves on them and we don't never give them a chance to talk to us about themselves. To have a friend, we must show ourselves friendly. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we talk. Secondly, if we're going to have a friend, we must be friendly. But we also must be involved. We must get involved in Sunday school, small group, in discipleship classes. Yes, we want you to learn the Bible, and you will learn the Bible when you have to study it yourself. I can whet your curiosity, but I don't have the time to go deep with you because I have to give a cookie to everybody here. And you might be the mature, advanced saint who says, I want to go deep. I'm glad you do. But just because you're there doesn't mean everybody else is there. So we got to give a cookie to everybody. And sometimes that means I can only whet your curiosity toward getting something deeper somewhere else, either through your own study or joining a Sunday school class where you can go deeper, and a discipleship class where you can go deeper, or get involved in a, a small group where you can go deeper. Because it's in that format that you'll not only learn, but you'll meet people. And many times those people can become your friends. The problem with some of us is we say we don't have any friends, but we make no effort to be around people to be our friend. We sit on our hands during greeting time. We look mean at people. We're not going to get up off our seat. And if somebody comes to us, we're going to snarl at them. Bite at them. We're going to run them off. And then we leave saying, that's not a friendly church. You got to be kidding. You got to get involved with people. Thirdly, you need to be a giver and a server if you want to have a friend. A giver, not a taker. A server, not waiting to be served. Remember, true friends extend themselves to their other person. They're, they're, they're givers, they're servers. And then lastly, when talking about friends, everybody needs a friend down here. But you better have a friend up there. Because you're not going to live forever. You're not. In fact, I'll make a prediction. <laughs> one out of one of you are going to die. If Jesus tarries in his return, 100 years from now, you won't be here. I won't be here. <laughs> 
If we are here, we won't know it. We all got a date with the undertaker. And because of that, you better have a friend down here. Somebody to come to your service. <laughs> but you better have a friend up there. You better have an eternal friend, and he has a name. His name is Jesus. And you better know him in a real and personal way. Because when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you better have somebody to walk with you. You better. So tonight, who is your human friend? And if you don't have one, you need to get one. And if you have a human friend, why don't you make sure you're a friend to them so that you can keep them? Because friendships are not one-sided. It involves give and take by both sides. And if you don't have an eternal friend, you better get one tonight. I've got two funerals coming up this week. The next funeral could be yours. It could be mine. We never know. And you better have an eternal friend whose name is Jesus. Or the day of judgment is not going to bid well for you. I promise you that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.